Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Friday on June 23rd in the year 2023. We're going to kind of sit back and relax a little bit tonight. Talk a little bit about being active and following God's word and probably talk a little bit about coffee too because that seems to be on my mind tonight in a good way. Before we do begin, make sure that you're doing all you can to protect your wealth. There's a lot of threat to that right now, and you want to make sure and preserve your hard-earned savings and retirement funds and try to get as much as you can into precious metals. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. You know I have talked a lot about coffee because I love coffee. I love good coffee too. And it's a real experience and it's a process and it's just a way of life. And I don't really mind saying at times that I'm a coffee snob in a good way. But... Coffee to me is a is a it's a passion because it takes a journey every time you have a cup. At Bard's Fest, we had a new brand of coffee, and I mentioned it earlier. It's Bald Guy Brew. And how that came about was that I'm looking at buying a coffee roaster because ultimately what I want to do is to introduce a Bard's brand of coffee. I don't know what exactly we'll call it yet. There's a lot of names. But I'm hoping to maybe get that done, be able to roll that out. Earliest would be for Christmas this year. It may not be until next summer. But to do that, you have to learn how to brew. And so it took a lot of research to find, first of all, a coffee roaster that I liked. Because so much of what goes on these days is digital. Everything is digitally controlled. You don't really do much. You can affect stuff digitally, but the whole machine mechanism is done digitally. And then, of course, when you start doing digital, most everything's made somewhere else, like China or some other place. Now, I roast coffee in a very primitive way, and it makes a pretty good roast, but it's a, it's what I would call a cowboy roast. And I have evolved from using a small cast iron pan to where I have a big cast iron kettle and I literally use a gas burner and I stir it by hand and and the coffee roasts unevenly, which was by design. That's kind of what I wanted to develop in a style. But it ends up being rather inconsistent because some of those beans can get very roasted and some can be under roasted and it creates an interesting flavor, but it's it's a process of learning just about the odor, the aroma and the experience of watching coffee roast itself because it's really quite an amazing process. Because coffee beans are green and hard if you haven't ever used them. And when you start to roast them, they go through what's called two, they go through the first crack and then the second crack. And the first crack is when it's still a very light bean and you'll actually hear it crack and pop like popcorn. And it stays, it's still pretty, pretty light. And then as it starts to move into a more medium roast, it'll approach its second crack. And then as it gets past the second crack, it'll start to get into the darker roast where more of the oils will come out. And in that process too, it's shedding some of the outer husk that comes out that you then, when you finish, you screen it and shake it and all those things come out. Now, this is a process I've just taught myself over time. 
But in deciding to go to coffee to the next level, I needed to, one, it would need to have a roaster, which I spent a lot of time researching over the last couple of years and finally stumbled on a company down in Nevada City that's an American-made roasting company called the San Francisco Roaster. And it's an all-American-made machine that doesn't rely on digital controllers. In fact, the digital controller is an accessory. It's not a primary. And in talking to these guys and getting to know them down there as I've kind of started to move that direction, they introduced me to somebody. And I'm going to eventually have him on the show. Um, His name is Don Cox, and he owns a small roasting company out in North Carolina, and it's called Bald Guy Brew. Now, what makes this even more interesting and how God works these things, and it's always like this, because I God put on my heart some time ago to roast coffee. It's been on my heart a long time, but it really has been pushing me this way. And I kind of sketched out some things the other day and said, okay, what God, what is it that you want? And I talked about this last Sunday, and there's a number of things that are on my docket to do that God has me directed to do, and I'm really pushing into those in the next 18 months, sooner if possible. Obviously, one is raising beef, which in itself is a whole nother long story. But in short, that was something when we acquired the property just north of me, Brad called me one day, Brad Cummings, and he says, you're going to raise, you need to get cattle. And I said, no, I don't want to do cattle. And it was about three or four weeks later, God says, you need to have cattle. And I start laughing. I'm like, okay, so apparently Brad didn't. Brad's message didn't get through and you want me to have cattle. So here I am a year plus later with 25 head of cattle and heading into the fall with 10 steers to be butchered and we've got nine or 10 more calves on the way. So that's a, at this point, somewhat of a sustainable herd and it'll continue to grow. And with that is the butchery, which we're designing out and getting ready for and hopefully have that operational by the end of the year. And then of course there's bees and bees are with bees, you have honey and you have all these other products. And that's another experience of learning that I haven't, I'm just getting my feet wet on that one as I'm just kind of getting my feet wet on cattle because I'm not an expert in either of those, but it's a process of learning and it's a lifelong step. These weren't things just to be done in a whim. They were things that are lifelong, just like gardening isn't something you do in a whim. It becomes a lifelong process. And all of this is about stepping back to go more basic. So even with raising cattle, I've spent some time and built a pretty extensive resource library on how to raise cattle and how to refurbish the land and have have good pasture management so that we can have a good biome, get them off of any need for vaccines, keep them healthy with what we grow. Bees very much the same, going back to basics, trying to get everything back to basics. And even the butchery that I'm designing is going to be designed around an 1800s model like an 1850 model, to where everything is manual. I've recently just located a manual meat grinder that'll do five pounds a minute. Uh, It's an old school, still made today. uh, And looking, there'll be a manual sausage maker, and all these things are manual. No electricity if we can do it. The only electricity initially will be refrigeration, and eventually the meat itself will be cured and either smoke-dried salt cured, or it'll just, it'll be aged. So there will be hopefully within a year or two, no need for refrigeration unless we, unless we choose to. And the same with honey in terms of raising and canning and extracting is all based on manual processes and honey's a lot, bees and honey is a lot easier to do that with. So then there's coffee. And I looked around a lot of different coffee roasters and so forth. And I, as I said, I came to this one. It's a South, 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 can't even speak. South, San Francisco. There we go. San Francisco roaster, which I'll probably place the order for it in the fall. And it takes three to four months to get it. They're American made, gas fired, which is fine. And in the process, they introduced me to Don Cox. So again, all this is God led. And I, made the link and they made the introduction to Don Cox and I then I've had a conversation with him and come to find out he's actually a pastor. And there's something very special about all this because as I'm talking to him, he has a passion for coffee. And he was ministering and then kind of got tired of what was going on in the church. And so he left to start coffee roasting. And now he runs his ministry on Sundays 
a youth ministry out of his coffee shop, which I just think is fantastic. So that's Bald Guy Coffee or Bald Guy Brew, excuse me, Bald Guy Brew. Coffee is an experience and flavor. And I say all these things because we we take a lot of things in our life for granted. And coffee happens to be one of those that we take for granted a lot. We It has become, rather than to be an, a, a drink to really enjoy and nurture, which is what it used to be, it's become a drink to consume like so much else in our culture. And where I'm desiring and heading into this is just like when I roast my own coffee, it's a time process. It's one that you enjoy and you experience the aroma, you watch the evolution and development of coffee. It takes time and slowly the transition happens between a green bean to a light bean to a medium bean to a dark bean. And all of that is about your eye, your smell, your sense of it, and when to stop the roast. I'm no expert. Don would be as close to as I could say as an expert, especially tasting his coffee, which was if you had coffee at Bard's Fest on Friday out of the cafe, that was their brew. It's fantastic coffee. really is. And I, matter of fact, I'm sipping on some tonight. It's just amazing. But it's not just the roast, though. And all of this I'm tying in with a bigger picture here, so bear with me a little bit. We take a lot of things for granted. So when we get our coffee at Starbucks, it comes in a paper cup. If you get your coffee at McDonald's, it comes in some version of a paper cup, or maybe it's one of their goofy paper styrofoam cups. And with all of that, each thing imparts a flavor, and each thing changes the nature of what the actual creation is. It's all about balance and finding that cleanest way to create an experience that gets you truly to the most pure experience you can have with a perfectly roasted bean. When you grind coffee in a, an electric grinder, if it's a regular mill grinder, it can heat the coffee and it will change the nature of the coffee by heating up the oils and those will impart off flavors, potentially even bitterness. If you use a burr grinder, that tends to be probably the most efficient, but still, depending on how refined how and how quality of your burr grinder, it can still do the same thing. I currently, my favorite grinder is a hand mill that's made actually in Taiwan that has ceramic burr grind on it, and you hand crank it. It works pretty quickly, and it creates a very beautiful fine grind that never heats the bean and it creates a, a, a very pure grind. And then you have the way of extracting the coffee. So you can use an espresso machine, a French press. You can use a coffee maker. Uh, you can use a, a aero press if you're familiar with that. There's a lot of variety of things. And I've, I have most of those. And I've tried most of those at one point or another. But recently I picked up what's called a Chemex. And a Chemex is a glass carafe. You've probably seen them at coffee shops. They have a wood handle midway. And I'm using heavy-duty paper filters, natural paper filters with it. And tonight, I would say in the last 24 hours, when I, I just picked it up yesterday, and, I, and when I've had it now, I probably have to say it's one of the finest cups of coffee that I've tasted without the bitterness, without a lot of the things, and ironically, it's the simplest of processes to extract the flavor of the bean. Now, there's a real lesson there because we tend to make things in life extremely complicated or we try to make things convenient or we try to make things fast. And you can't have any of that to really achieve the perfection of God's creation. From the bean to the roast, to the grind, to the extraction, to the sip in the cup, even the cup has an effect. I'm drinking out of a wood cup tonight, literally a wood cup, which I've recently picked up and found to be really interesting because it doesn't impart much flavor, and yet every drinking vessel that you'll use one way or another will impart some flavor of the vessel. It's the nature of it. When you drink teas, you'll find that many times, like very refined China tea, 
will have a different flavor than if you have a heavy ceramic cup. Teas tend to be a little more delicate in their flavor than coffee, but not so much when you get to a nice brew like this tonight. Everything affects the outcome. That's something to keep in mind. Everything we do in life affects the outcome and the experience that we have. And it always reminds me of the sense of words have the power of life and death. Because everything that we say, everything that we think, has an impact on the outcome of events. Coffee is not excluded from that. And it's a process that when you go through coffee, and I truly believe that there's another dimension, which is why I was extremely drawn to, to Don Cox's coffee bald guy brew, is that he's somebody that walks truly with God. I don't know how many coffee places you've been to, but I will tell you there are not many that center their business around Jesus in the coffee industry. He's one. And I personally think that it reflects in the coffee itself because I think that everything that we are in the essence of who we are is reflected in the products and things that we make. We, our intention is important and how we approach things is important. So the process of coffee, I can rip up a grind real quick. I can throw it in the espresso machine. I can extract it. I can get a pretty, a very strong coffee very quickly. And it's a good machine and it does a good job. When you're using something like the Chemex filter, it takes a little more time. You have to boil the water separately. You need to pour some of the water through the paper filter first to soak the filter and then to let that pass through and slightly warm the glass of the carafe. Then you drain that off. Then you put in your ground coffee, which you've milled by hand. And as you do that, then you pour your water over the top of the coffee. And it's best to have something that pours smoothly, like a small narrow spout, which I have. And it lightly pours it in and gets the coffee churning lightly in the, in the top of the carafe. So then it begins to filter through carefully. And it takes time. It might take five minutes or so before you have a pot of coffee. But the temperature is more level and equal, and the, exp and the coffee's exposure to the warm water is far greater than anything you're going to get in a basket with like an electric coffee maker. Again, it's time. And it's patience. And in all of these things, we, we are experiencing the transformation of something from bean to finished product all the way through a cycle that in this particular case, in this process, it's truly fantastic. And it's not about speed, but it's about the desire to enjoy the cup of coffee, to relish in the moment rather than race off to the end. I think these things get to be very important in the walk that we take right now because we're all facing a lot of pressures. We want things to change. We want to get rid of evil. We want to see things healed. We want to see transformation happen. We want to see... God's hand come in and strike into judgment. But that's not really the way God works. And if we're really honest about things, God works with an unbelievable level of patience and a timing that we can't understand because we're too often running ahead to the conclusion rather than enjoying the process. I'm one who truly enjoys the process of coffee. I, and not just coffee and other things, but this is just the example I'm using tonight. And I try to enjoy the process in everything that I do. And it forces us to reflect differently, to stay more focused in the moment and enjoy the perfection the, and the striving prefer, per, for perfection in every step. Tasting the end coffee. Let's just say that I go to a coffee shop and they deliver a perfect cup of coffee. To me, there's going to be, it's never going to match, no matter how good they brew, a, a cup of coffee that I produce that where I'm involved in most of or all of the steps of production because it's the experience of watching it evolve. Now, let's apply that to somebody who's in a process of wandering. Take the green bean. The green bean is a green bean. It's not shaped it's simply there. If you let it be, it's just going to be a green bean. In fact, green beans can stay in your storage for years. 
That's how you store coffee long term. Get green beans, put them in, you can put them in mylar bags and you can keep coffee for 20 or 30 years and it'll be just fine. And that's not an exaggeration. But if you take that green bean and now you put it into the roaster, it's going to begin to be turned into something that will have a flavor. In fact, you can't, just to be clear, you don't want to be drinking green bean coffee. It can make you sick and be poisonous. But if we put it into the roaster and we try to start to transform it, it's going to be brought to a flavor profile that we're going to be liking or perhaps needs to be matured or done again. But I liken this to somebody who is wandering and entering into a relationship with Christ. And we're the roasters. In other words, we're the shepherds. And as a person comes into Christ, imagine the green bean. And the time that we spend and the care that we spend will mature them into something that will be much different than where it was. The roasted bean is no longer the green bean. They're transformed. And if we don't care, then, and we're, say, a production outfit, everybody's going to be turned into one flavor profile, like a bitter espresso coffee, which is the most common coffee you can find on the market, dark roast. And why? Because you can hide everything in a dark roast. Because everybody has accepted that Starbucks' profile of dark roast is bitter. That comes from their Pike Street roast, which there was a, it was their original roast, which was the first roast of its kind, and it presented a bitter profile, which over time people became accustomed to and now relate to a dark roast coffee as one that is bitter and strong and bold. And that becomes a, a flavor profile that most people, that many people seek. It's defined Starbucks. But it masks and obscures the complexities, intricacies, and unique ways, many, many ways, in which coffee can be roasted and the flavor profiles can be matured. Some people like flavored coffee. I don't. I don't like infused coffee, but some people do. Some people like coffees that are very mild, very light, very even, even very light in body. I'm not one of those. I'm also not one other than an espresso that likes a coffee that's bitter and strong. I like a coffee that's a medium body, very low bitterness, and just enjoy the roast and the experience of the coffee. That's actually harder to find than you think. But I know what I like. But I also know that many other people like a lot of things. The body of Christ is not one flavor profile. And unfortunately, as Christians in, as a whole, we tend to seek to have one flavor profile. There's one way things are. That's when we get into the things of like the extremities of doctrine. You must follow exactly this and be this. And if not, you are not a Christian. And that's where we lose our way because while doctrine is important and studying scripture is important, when we become so rigid, everybody becomes one flavor profile. And that one flavor profile actually puts a box on God and kills the power of the Holy Spirit. Back to Bald Guy Brew, Don Cox Coffee, in one in particular roast which is called his organic Guatemalan coffee. It just so happened to be called GT, which was Glad Tidings Church, but it not, no, not intentional, but it's ironic that he sent that roast because GT is the name of his coffee, Guatemalan coffee, organic roast. That coffee is a medium body coffee. I'd never had it before. It is one of the most perfect roasts I've had for my flavor profile. But to get there, I had to take some time. It wasn't just throwing it in a machine to drip out the coffee. In fact, my mom tried some in her, in her drip machine and didn't like it at all. But when I took the coffee and I hand milled it, and I took the time to put it into the Chemex, and I took the time to brew a pot and give it time to steep and come out and pull the flavor out. What I ended up with as I sipped it in a wood cup was literally one of the most perfect coffees I've had. 
And it's unique because it's one of many in his flavor profiles. And that's the whole point of this is that each one of us is unique. And each one of us, when we're matured into the body of Christ with the intentions that God wants for us, becomes a unique and perfect flavor profile in the sense of coffee. But it takes patience. It takes care. It takes time. And it takes the willingness to slow down and enjoy the process, not to race to the end. We aren't a McDonald's drive-thru, but we're convinced that that's the way life works. We're not an instant text, but we're convinced that we can't live without them. We're not anything that this world is, because everything in this world is about something instant or replicatable. Think about automobiles, or think about electronics, or any product and you know. Everything is designed to be exactly the same as the next. And in fact, in the world that we're headed into, that they're trying to force us into with the whole idea of AIs and the idea of robotic production, every single item will be exactly the same, perfectly down to the, to the micromillimeter. What a boring world, literally. See, what I know is that if I order organic Guatemalan coffee from Bald Guy Brew, I know that that pro- roast profile will be consistent, but there will be subtle differences over time. No matter how perfect his roasting method is, it's the human factor and essentially the Holy Spirit, if you want to look at it like that, that makes each one just a little bit different. It's just a little unique because we aren't intended to be a cookie cutter. And if I order all of his coffees and I do it regularly and I taste every one, Each one will develop a uniqueness in its own, and each one within its own blend will be a little unique from one batch to the next. That's just the nature of things. And that's as we are in life. As we should be. But unfortunately, we tend not to do that. And our wording doesn't even allow it at times. Like we say things like, And we have to be careful. And I try to be even when I talk of things myself because words have the power of life and death. They actually have the power of transformation. But when we talk about somebody coming to Christ, we have cookie cutter formations that we've been trained on how that has to happen. And I'm not one of those that buys that. I think there are very important things to do to in a process of accepting Jesus in our lives. But I don't think that it has to be done in a certain way manufactured production line method. You don't have to say certain things. You don't have to be dunked at a certain time. You don't have to be witnessed by a certain number of people or in the exact certain pond or place. These things are about our life and walking in Jesus. And it will all come together to create that perfect profile as we allow God and the Holy Spirit to work within us. That also means how we interact with people. Because as we go out in the world and we interact with people, we have a tendency of approaching them with a holier-than-thou attitude. Not always, but it does tend to happen. That we are walking with Jesus and you are not, you are going to hell. I've told you this many times. That's the world I grew up in in my town, and it's revolting. And so I say all these things because I've been thinking a lot about our youth It's heavy on my heart all week for weeks now, but in particular this week, it's been heavy, especially with this nonsense of Pride Month and LGBTQ nonsense and the assault on our children. And I keep thinking, how many of them really know what what their flavor profile is? I'm using that from tonight's expression. How many of them really know what they've become? And what I actually see is the equivalent of green beans. They haven't even been formed yet. And the question I have is, who's going to be the shepherd to lead them from where they are, to help them realize what they can be and to grow into the perfection of the body of Christ that God wants them to? And what I keep seeing is I see groomers, which infuriates me. 
And I keep seeing agitators and influencers like Antifa and BLM, and I see the media. And I say to myself, okay, they irritate me, but they're being ministered to. This is literally like taking a batch of really good organic coffee and doing my type of kind of backyard gorilla roast to it and just throwing it all in there and roasting up and some get roasted dark and some get roasted light and it creates an interesting flavor, but it's not a coffee I would sell. And to tell you the truth, when I started roasting coffee, one, it was an interest and at one point it was a financial necessity because I couldn't afford to, to buy good coffee but I bought good green coffee in bulk and I was able to roast it myself and save a whole bunch of money. And I, I got pretty good at it, but they don't compare to what Don Cox does at Bald Guy Brew. And I look at that comparison and I'm like, my goodness, we've let the wolves minister to the kids. We've allowed that to happen. We've allowed... We've allowed them to take the perfection of what God grew and turn it into something that's a bitter, dark, nasty cup. And then we're throwing flechettes at them and talking about and condemning them. And yet we haven't done our job. We can't do that. And it's not, it's not right because those kids out there don't know the experience of perfection in the body of Christ any more than they know what a great cup of coffee tastes like. Real story. I've told it before, but it's so relevant here. Standing outside of Powell's Bookstore, I was coming out of Powell's Bookstore actually in Portland, Oregon, which is down in the brewery blocks. I love Powell's Bookstore. Oh, it's one of the last really big used bookstores in the nation. And they are great. It's an amazing experience to walk through. It's simply a navigation through the incredible sense of humanity and what we can write and put together. And it's always an adventure because you find stuff, old books tucked away on shelves you didn't even know exists. The smell of the paper of the old bindings. It's just, it's just takes you places. It's a journey and a story in itself. So as I came out of Powell's, there were two young kids, a boy and a girl, boyfriend, girlfriend, dressed pretty rough, kind of like what you'd expect to see a hobo dress like. And they're playing a pretty simple instrument, very Appalachian-ish sound. Somewhere on my stuff, I've, I think I still have it. I don't know. I have to look. But they were called shoot dang. That was what they called themselves, shoot dang. And at that time, I was looking for music for my first film which still took years to produce, but I was looking for the music. And I really liked what they had. And they were offering these homemade CDs that they had burned somewhere at somebody's house. And I bought one. And then I asked them if they wanted to have a cup of coffee to talk a little bit about them. I wanted to know who they were. So I took them to a coffee shop around the corner from Powell's, across the street on Broadway, go down a little street. There's a little coffee shop there that roast coffee in a very particular way. They're very careful about the way they roast their coffee. They, it comes from a family-owned plot down in El Salvador. They ship it very carefully. And the one thing about this coffee shop is they do not allow their coffee to be mail-ordered, and the only way they deliver it in Portland is by bicycle. And it's their whole business philosophy because they believe that the coffee, once roasted, is so delicate that... If they ship it, it'll get damaged and beat up, and you'll lose the refinement and the perfection of the roasted bean. So they sell. They're small, but they sell locally, and they do quite well. So I took them there, and I asked them what they would like, and they were very quiet. I said, you know, you'd like a cup of coffee, and can I get you a cinnamon or something to eat? And the comment was, We've never had a cup of coffee that costs that much. This cup of coffee was three and a half, four dollars, something like that. And to be quite honest, in Portland's coffee culture, I didn't think twice about it until that moment. They had never experienced a great cup of coffee. And because they had never experienced a great cup of coffee, arguably they wouldn't even know what a great cup of coffee was. 
their cup of coffee, they made some comment that they usually picked up something at McDonald's if they were lucky, but usually found something on the sidewalk that somebody didn't drink and they would try to, or they'd pull their change to go get something at, at the local 7-Eleven or whatever the local store was. You can get the picture on that pretty quick. So how would they know what a great cup of coffee was if they'd never known what a good cup of coffee was in the beginning? See, this is where we are today because our youth has no idea who Jesus is. They have no idea what a true relationship with the living God is because they've never had it, never had it explained, never had it introduced. And yet as a, as a whole in the body of Christ in this country, we're letting them slide away into the hands of the groomers who are teaching them. The groomers are leading them along. They're spending time with them. Kids go into school and we say, my goodness, I can't believe these, these groomers are allowing my child to act out being a girl and they're not telling me about it. Well, let's rephrase that. The parent's child is going to public school that is ministering to them in the way that the father of lies would minister and the child is receiving and the child isn't just receiving words, but they're given action and things to do to live out that role, that ministry that they're being given. That sounds like good ministry to me. The problem is it's on the wrong side of the fence. This is a hard self-assessment because I'm not, I haven't done my fair share of this either. So I'm not sitting here proudly saying, I've done so much better because that would be arrogant and it would be a lie. We're losing our children because of us. Because of our lack of action of introducing them to the living God. To use the metaphor of tonight's show, they've never known what a great cup of coffee is like. And we're letting them willfully and willingly sip on bitter trash and we're not stepping in to teach them to walk them through that cup that they have through the process that it takes to build a perfect bean to the experience of roasting and smelling the perfect aroma to the moment of grinding to see what it's like to mill the bean and experience the difference in grinds and find that perfect grind that you can put in your finger and feel it and smell it and even put it on your tongue to taste it and then to put that perfect grind into a high-quality paper filter that's been saturated with water, as it then fill it with water that's been filtered and cleaned so the water itself has a pure flavor, and then filtering it through a glass carafe to watch it fill and the color grow as it filters out to create a perfect body in the coffee, to then take a sip and experience truly a perfect roast to its finished product. How often have we taken a child through the process of living through Jesus? Step aside from the, I'm going to accept Christ and get dunked in the tank for a minute. Put that stuff aside. How often have we taken a child through the experience or a youth through the experience of the power of the living God the incredible, overwhelming sense of things, of Jesus living through us, of the miracles of the living God to heal and to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to do those amazing things in this world, and most importantly, the experience of the living word of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it does to our lives and how it reflavors and retempers everything that we do. And then to watch and watch work with the child to see how it refines and how you can change that refinement, how you can be a medium roast or a dark roast, or you can be a light roast and you can be all those things and everything that you grow into, you can maximize and become so perfect within whatever you are. And then to be refined down into the perfect texture to ultimately raise up perfectly to be truly a child of God. And arguably, it hasn't happened because too few understand that experience with the living God.
we don't know what to do. We need shepherds. I don't know how to roast coffee. I know how to hack coffee. I don't know how to roast coffee. Don Cox knows how to roast coffee. I'm going to be in his shop for a weekend coming up to be immersed in what a roasting experience is like with the equipment and with the experience of his nose and his sense of eye and his sense of touch to experience that perfect sense of roasting different profiles of coffee to understand truly what it is that I'm trying to achieve. See, that's what happened when I did photography. I was just a guy that shot a bunch of stuff until I met this photographer who was a Pulitzer Prize winner. And as he told me at the beginning of this, I'm not going to teach you about speed and shutter control. Those are for you to learn. I don't teach you that way. I'm going to teach you what it is to see a great photo, what you have to see in your eye. And that's the only way I know how to film. I don't know much about it. I hack it. By comparison to some, I'm not a geek when it comes to speed and all these other gadgets and gadgets on my camera. I know what my eye wants. And that ties with my passion and that ties when you get a perfect shot and I've had it happen so many times when you snap that perfect shot, it's like an electric bolt that runs from your head down to the back of your spine because you're aligned within the world and within the Holy Spirit because you're capturing a moment, a perfect moment in time. You know the feeling and therefore you know what you're striving to get to. Once you learn the flavor profiles of coffee, I may not be able to recreate them right away, but I know the objective of where I'm trying to go. I know what I'm trying to reach to. I know what I'm trying to find. So how can we expect our youth to find Jesus, to embrace the living God, to be powerful warriors in Christ if they don't even know where to begin? And all they've been exposed to is this groomings-type, reckless, destructive ministry. Oh, it's a ministry. Don't kid yourself. You may not like the word. It may feel abomin abomination to you, but that's a ministry. It's a ministry of getting to their hearts and minds, and it's transforming them. And all we're seeing a public do is sit on the side and wring its hands. And when the school says, no, you shall not speak God in our schools, we say, okay, that's bad. I don't like it, but okay. What is that? I know what a great cup of coffee tastes like. I know when I have one, what a great cup of coffee is when I have it. I know when I brew one and it sucks. And though I may choke it down because I need a cup of coffee, I know when it's not right and I know when I've hit it perfect. And so it becomes a life pursuit of seeking that perfection. That's what we're doing in the body of Christ. That's what we're doing in our walk with Christ is the pursuit. And nowhere in here did I say don't accept Christ. Nowhere in here did I say don't get baptized. But the problem is all those pieces somehow define everything that we are in Christ and then it's over. That's like literally just like, okay, well, I just got my organic Guatemalan coffee roast and that's it. I've got it. And forever and ever now, that's the only coffee I'm ever going to drink and it's good and I'm done. Man, I've missed everything. I've missed the experience of trying other, other roasts within there. I've, I've missed the process of its evolution of how I got there. And so I don't know what I have and I don't know how to value it. And I don't know how to reach for going higher than what I thought was possible. We need to take some time and slow down. We need to minister to our youth and open up their hearts to realize truly who the living God is, who Jesus is. That's going to mean that we have to, we may have to learn ourselves more than we thought we knew. That means we ourselves may have to find mentors to teach us how to roast. Because I don't think we know as much as we think 
And while that's not wrong, I'm telling you, the enemy's on the move. And we don't have time to waste. We need to introduce the youth to the power of the God of miracles, of Jesus as the resurrected Christ, of the living God, the power of what he is in our life, the joy which it brings to our heart, not the lamenting pain and begging God to fix everything. That happens once in a while, but unfortunately that becomes the stereotype of most Christians, that when things are down and out is when they turn to God and the rest of the time to cruise and go, well, I can't wait to get out of church on Sunday so I can go do my thing again for the week. We need warriors in Christ, passionate, loving, incredible warriors that can convey the joy, the power of the Holy Spirit, can lift up these youth, give them a spark of something they've never seen, challenge their minds to think differently, expose them to things they never thought possible. We need the Moses to stand before the Pharaoh and, the, and his magicians throw down their staffs and they become snakes and Moses throws down his and his staff turns into a snake and eats the other two. We need that and we have that if we lean into God in the many ways that he can deliver that. We have that. We just need to ask, have our faith and start living our faith to raise up and to walk our youth into a ministry that awakens the power of the Holy Spirit and the living God in their lives. That's how we destroy this enemy. But until we have the courage to do that, until we start, start walking into those spaces and challenging, and we're going to get rejected a lot, and you've got to be strong, and you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to listen to the wisdom God gives you, and your whole process is going to change in time. From podcast number one to podcast 2,300 and some, whatever I'm at right now, things have changed because I do it over and over and I listen to the Father and he guides and I change and he guides me. That's the same process of this ministry. But our youth need to be taught about Jesus. They need to be taught about the perfect cup. And they need to be walked from the beginning to that perfect cup to appreciate the process. It's not a quick wham, bam, dunk in the pond, call it a day, and you've got Jesus and here you go. Anybody that's been through that knows very well the minute that you accept Christ, you become a target for the enemy. But that's part of the teaching and the maturing. That's the fire of refinement. It's what begins to build our profile. And it what's, it's what matures us in the body. It what's, it's what makes us part of that greater perfection that's yet to come. That's my challenge for every one of us. Become a shepherd. Become a coffee roaster. Learn how to roast. Learn the process. Obviously a metaphor. But learn a ministry that can walk our children from where they are through each to appreciate the steps of refinement to the perfection that we're trying to achieve in the body of Christ. And that means we have to seek things greater than ourself and the mires of garbage that we're fighting within us right now. And there's no time to waste because our youth need this more than ever. The examples that they have around them are not the examples that will lead them. It's the examples that will destroy them. And unless we can step in and start really ministering to them to draw their eyes away from the imposters of ministry into the heart of Jesus, it's going to be a pretty rough road ahead. But God has a remnant here for a reason. And I think if you're here, that's probably part of the reason. The youth have to be taught about Jesus. And we can do that. Let's pray. Father, it's going to begin with a thank you tonight. 
just a personal thank you because you know as I sat down here tonight, I wasn't really sure how to convey what was on my heart. And like you do all the time, you open a door to show a way. And it's just a reminder that once that door is open and we step through, you guide it and point the way and we find the way we need to go. Father, tonight, coffee became a story of our love in Jesus, what seems like an impossible connection, and yet here we are. A reminder of the requirements that we have, a duty that we have to minister to our youth and not turn them over to the hacks and the imposter ministry of the father of lies. So, Father, my prayer tonight is a simple one, to take time to appreciate something in our lives through an entire process. Maybe it's baking, maybe it's sewing, maybe it's in the garden, maybe it's making beer, maybe it's working on the car and changing the oil, maybe it's mowing the grass, whatever it is. Maybe it's making coffee. But to slow down, to pay attention to each step, to become aware of the granularity of the process, not take it for granted and rush through, to take a breath and walk the experience truly with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that eyes will be opened as we learn to appreciate the finer part of each step and in so doing, learn and appreciate our love in Jesus even more. To understand that within the body of Christ, it's just not like a single process and we get stamped on a Brady wall with all the pictures of the family members stuck together. But we're becoming part of an intricate and beautiful weave it takes time for those threads to mature and to build and that we're bringing others into that weave that themselves will mature to be a sophisticated and beautiful part of the tapestry and that each step we need someone to guide us and someone else needs somebody to guide them. Our role in this life, Father, so much of what we do is to, and should be doing, is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. To take the word of God into this world, Father, you, the words you've given us, and to open people's hearts and minds. But there's so many ways to do that. There's the ways of the gifts and talents in which you gave us. And if each person pursues those gifts and talents and pursues this perfection of each step, not to be perfected, but to, per, to seek the perfection in each step, we develop a ministry that's profound because each thing we do embodies the body of Christ. So, Father, I pray that that will be on people's hearts to pursue that experience in process, that it can be used as a process to lead our young from where they are and wandering into a beautiful tapestry of love within the body of Christ. A blessing that I ask in prayer for the many, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It will take a lot of work to do this. And yet, I think it's the most rewarding work anybody can do. For 18 months in my first experience in Afghanistan, I carried a camera every day. And everything I did, everywhere I went, I had that camera. Some days I filmed a lot, some days I filmed a little. Every day I tried to build a story, no matter how long or how short. The story had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it was difficult at the beginning. Hard. 
You had to force it. But as you moved along over 18 months of doing that day in and day out, you begin to see the world a different way. And you get to experience the world a different way. That's what we're doing here. And each one is deciding and should decide, each person should decide on what their ministry will look like. And that takes an infinite level of forms. And each one has it in us to do that. And as we do that, and then we vector in on the youth, then what we're able to do is to communicate with them and reach them, some with greater reach than others, in a way that we can present and communicate in the many forms of our love and the incredible passion of the living God. Effectively, we're sowing seeds. And it might not be one something I do alone. It might take 15 others to do it. But each experience, each encounter elevates up the richness of that tapestry in Christ. And that's the ministry that the youth currently don't have. We need to divide and separate them from the grooming ministry that they're exposed to. We have to divide the enemy's ranks and in so doing, free those that are, need to be freed. It's a big challenge, but it's one that we can do and must do. And it's the most offensive weapon we have right now in this fight. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I hope you have a very blessed weekend. I'll see you Sunday night. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest dead Oh